The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Saturday, April 30th. If you are watching the podcast on YouTube, we are live following the conclusion of the 2022 NFL Draft. Each and every year, I'm astounded at how late it is and how long they draft for on Saturday. And look, they're all important picks. This is when Tom Brady wasn't, I guess he was technically, because they used to so they used to do back in the day, back in my day, um, the draft would, the first round of the NFL draft would start at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Just pure insanity. The NFL let that much money slide away. Anyway, if you're listening to the podcast, there's a pretty decent chance it is either later on Saturday or Sunday or even Monday. Because if Debo sends me a text, he's like, why aren't you on StreamYard to record the podcast for Monday? I ain't showing up. I ain't about that life. I'm just kidding. I'll show up, obviously. Anywho, joining me to break down what was a certainly bizarre draft and certainly a different draft, John Breach, Chris Trapasso, Josh Edwards. What's up, fellas? Well, I didn't think I was going to be invited back, and then apparently uh, this turned out to be a banner year for punters so here i am to help these guys evaluate the entire draft but i'm going to defer to our true draft gurus who busted their butt uh over the past few days past few weeks past few months josh and chris dude i'm just so excited that the bills drafted matt ariza and he was like the fifth specialist taken and we have breach on this podcast i just want to sit back and hear all of his analysis for all the specialists that went especially Ariza going to the Bills in the sixth round. We just lost about half of the viewership just, just uh, previewing that We're going to talk up. Bills and punters in this podcast. Well, that's, that's okay because, you know what, the YouTube chat, and if you were in the YouTube chat, if you're just watching on YouTube, phone, iPad, what, TV, whatever it is, hit the like button. We'll probably try and give away some – I don't think we have any Brinson Sucks hats, but we'll give away a Paramount Plus gift card maybe if we get enough likes and uh, perhaps some glassware, a little uh, Pick 6 podcast – pint glass they're actually talking about a totally different podcast in the chat right now they're talking about a like a rival nfl podcast i would be <laughs> mad about it but they're mostly talking about um mark sessler who's one of my i consider like a good friend of the business and uh, a delightful human being in general uh i have some good mark sessler stories from owners meetings and various uh 
NFL events, but we're not going to tell those now because we have to break down the draft. Shout out to Sess. Great dude. All those guys are great. What? A tease. Um, what? Nothing. I said, what a tease. I'm not going to. You can't say you have great stories and not tell any stories. Well, I have to get those stories approved. Anywho, what did we? Uh, I mean, what? All right, let's. We're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the of the fourth through seventh rounds, and then we're going to give uh, winners and losers for the full draft. But I sort of want to uh, just sort of an open ended question. You can go whichever way you want, and uh, we're going to breach traps, Josh. But like, what's the one thing? When you come out of this draft, that you like, like what's the, like what's what's the one thing that that like you're going to remember about this draft? Uh, besides the guy announcing the Vikings pick, getting pulled off the stage. That's it. That could be it. That's a good answer. Um, that I just thought that was hilarious because you literally that the the draft turned into the Academy Awards. You just don't see that at the NFL draft. Uh, you know, Brenton, I know you were mentioning yesterday how. Uh, one of the things that took away from the excitement of this draft is that most people don't know the average fan probably doesn't know most of the players after the first round, which usually, you know, there's second rounders, third rounders that, you know, but there just weren't a lot of big names here uh, outside of the quarterbacks who dropped uh, in the third round and Sam Howell in the fifth round. So uh, in that sense, it does seem like, Hey, God bless anyone that sat through all seven rounds of this draft. You did a good job. Um, but you know what? It was in Vegas. I just like the ongoing entertainment, whether it was the Blue Man Group, whether it was Chris Angel. It was nice to have these things sporadically cut in, uh, and it kept the draft lively, uh, which is nice when you have to sit in front of a TV and watch it for uh, 15 straight hours. My biggest takeaway is that the most valuable position in sports quarterback was seemingly devalued in this draft. And back to breach specialists. We had five specialists taken a bunch in the fourth round. Like I mentioned earlier, Matt Ariza going to the bills in the top of the sixth. We even had a punter from Brinson's NC state. Trent Gill. Trent Gill's a stud, select, buddy. Trent Gill's a get, stud. Yeah. To get him picked late. And it was like, that's to me what I'll always take from this is that we were like last night waiting and waiting. When are these quarterbacks going to go? Where's Malik Willis? Where's Sam Howell? Uh, where's Matt Corral? And meanwhile, all these punters on day three and kickers ultimately were selected. I was watching it on ESPN, and it was funny that, I mean, I, I kind of knew that it was a, a better specialist class, but Mel Kuyper said that if Trent Gill was in any other draft class, he probably would have been the shoe-in to be the first punter off the board, uh, but it didn't happen in this draft class because it was a really strong specialist group, which was just kind of funny to me. And I don't want to be disrespectful of Breach, but one of the lesser valuable positions on the football field and quarterback got pushed down. We only had like six or seven ultimately picked. You don't have to suck up to me by saying Trent Gill would have been the best the top punter. I mean, like, again, sucking up on this podcast gets you nothing. No, that's what Kuyper said. Kuyper said that he that he would have been the best if he was in any other class, but it was a low, it was a bad quarterback class and a loaded specialist class. You're saying they'd always cheat on me in the comments. What is happening? <laughs> I know what it means. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, they're talking about watching, like listening to different podcasts. I, I mean, whatever. I don't care. Listen, listen to, listen to whatever podcast you want. ATN's a great podcast. I listened to it earlier. This, like, I mean, granted, they don't have a round two and three recap and they ain't mm. going live right now. And you won't hear from them until Monday afternoon. Because Rosenthal doesn't like to work. Tell him I said that. 
<laughs> Greg and I had a bit where we were we would slander each other. So Darren Smith, who is a podcast listener and a good buddy of mine, that does this uh, Sandy Year radio show, and we did this bit for like a year where we would Greg, I would come on on Mondays and Greg would come on on Tuesdays, and we, it was like we would fire like aggressive shots across the bow at each other, but we didn't mean them. And I'm not sure if like the listeners ever actually got the bit. like they thought that like Greg I think there and I was had beef. Like, like death beef in the in the media. Um, <laughs> anyway, yes. Feel free to treat. Feel free to tweet at, at Greg Rosenthal and say at Will Brinson says you don't work hard enough to do a, a, a full draft recap podcast if you want. Um, anywho, I don't, I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, my big um, uh, uh, Josh, your big takeaway. Yeah, I think it was just an interesting year as a whole. We had a lot more older prospects uh, than we typically do because of the COVID year that many of these players were allowed. Uh, we saw a lot of teams use different strategies through the course of the three days where some of them traded out to get additional picks next year. Um, some of them were more inclined to take specialists. I mean, I'm sure we will discuss the run on specialists, but we typically do not see that uh, throughout the course of the draft. And I think teams were more willing to do that because – there were more. There was more uncertainty in this year's class. I think it was kind of watered down as we got towards the end of the events, and teams were more willing to say, "Hey, you know, this guy may not be uh, on the able to develop into an every down player, but he's a guy that's going to start for us and potentially fill a long role for a long time." So I think it was just interesting to see the way that these teams attacked this draft class, knowing that maybe it was a little weaker towards the bottom. Yeah, I, I guess I. And there's a couple of different things I always think about this draft for. I mean, what I mean, the Trayvon Walker stuff and just the the pure uh you know, the three week just straight to the freaking vein sweat of of having a gigantic number one overall bet. Uh and not not ever knowing until like really forty five minutes before the draft who was going number one overall. It reminds me a lot of two thousand thirteen in that sense. Um I, man, I I was covering the two thousand nine draft. For fan house, but I was in Pennsylvania doing showing your age, Brinson. I know I was, doing a two, I was doing a 2009. I was interviewing the Manning brothers for Gatorade. Um, Cooper and Eli, no Peyton and Eli. Oh, uh, at this in pencil in like in bomb F Pennsylvania. But I just, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think we will, I will be curious to see where this draft lands five years from now because I think there is a real chance that traps you said this last night. Like we're, we've been crapping on this draft for, you know, weeks and months, but like there are some potentially legitimate elite players in this draft. If things work out the way that they could, like Evan Neal is a monster. I think Kayvon Thibodeau could be a monster. Like the, the Giants could have a great draft. Um, Derek Stingley, Iki Aquanu. You know I mean? Like we could look back at this, the, you know, the Panthers flipped around that franchise because they drafted the local guy at left tackle and he changed how their protection works. I, I mean, Trayvon Walker could be a beast. Jordan Davis could be a beast. Anywho, I, I think I think I always just I'll look back on this draft and think about how it was just so muddled, more so than any other draft I uh, we I've ever covered in terms of knowing where guys might go. Like Sam Howell was a top 10 pick a year ago and he went with the first pick in the fifth round. Um, anywho, let's get to some third day superlatives. As soon as I clear out our boss, Eric K yammering on about the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks. Like anybody cares about that Mac team. 
That's insulting, Brenton. It, it was, he was just pointing out a very true fact that more Miami Ohio Redhawks got drafted than Texas Longhorns. Suck it, Texas. How many how many Redhawks? One, two. Ah, so more <laughs> NC State players than Redhawks. Let's go, baby. Oh, ironically, because NC State's a power five school. Of course they should have more players drafted than Miami of Ohio. All our guys came back to play this year, though, except for Icky and Bam. Uh, Bam Knight, by the way, dynasty sleeper with the Jets. Zone yeah, running scheme familiar. Yeah, he's Bad good. I depth like chart in terms of Michael Carter and, and Tevin Coleman. Great return specialist. Will get time on the field. Day three superlatives. Breach and I don't even have these because we don't know the names of these guys <laughs> for the most part. Uh, so we will start with you, Josh. The best individual pick of day three, rounds four through seven, is... Zach Tom, the offensive lineman uh, from Wake Forest, going to the Green Bay Packers. They are a team that values versatile offensive linemen. He's a very athletic player. So uh, I'm intrigued by the opportunity for him to go play in Green Bay for a wide zone blocking scheme that is going to allow him to use his athleticism in space. Uh, This is a team that historically likes to find their offensive linemen on day three. So you're walking into an opportunity where they are going to give him a fair chance to earn a valuable role on that offensive line. So I think it's a great opportunity for him. And I think it's a great pick for the Green Bay Packers because I, I had him as a much higher value. Uh, Zach Tom is first ballot Hall of Fame, double first name. There's also a Zachary Thomas in this class. So that's that, oh. that could have been – and they're both offensive linemen, so it could have been very confusing. But like Zach Tom is – Very cool. Sounds more like a uh, like a like a folk, uh, you know, bassist, maybe you know something in that regard. Yeah, I mean Zach Tom. Yeah, like I mean Toms. I've heard of like David Toms. Do you know anybody whose last name is Tom? <laughs> no, I didn't until just now. <laughs> Zach Tom. That sounds made up. Yeah, but it's uh, not traps. So, and, and I'm not dogging on Zach Tom. I just I'm thinking about like. What's a better – is there a better two first name, full name than Zach Tom? Like in the whole world? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> my stepfather-in-law thought for a long – my father – basically my father-in-law, but like he basically thought for a long time that my name was Brinson Brinson. Because everyone, <laughs> everyone Brinson. calls you Brinson. And he was like, so Brinson, what's your, what's your first name? Or what's your last name? I was like, Brinson. He was like, your name is Brinson Brinson? That is weird. I was like, no, <laughs> my name is Will. <laughs> uh, Travis, what you got for – Ryan Wilson is actually a good double first name, too. El- uh, Elton John? Hey, John's like, Elton's John's not that common. <laughs> John as the last name is as crazy as Tom is the last name. Yeah, but Zach is way more common than Elton. <laughs> I'm talking about the last name. Is I'm that the first name of the combo? Chris Paul. It's got to be. Oh, Chris Paul. oh. <laughs> nice work, Josh, Tom. All right, Traps, what do you have for uh, for uh, your best pick? Frank Vincent's good, too. What do you got for uh, your best third-day pick? Ravens cornerback Jalen Armour Davis from Alabama. Now, he's interesting in that he was a big recruit, obviously, at Alabama, was in the same high school class uh, and just a little bit below, like Asante Samuel Jr., uh, Patrick Sertan, Tyson Campbell, who were all early picks last year, first and second rounders, respectively. Um, And he was a one-year starter for the Crimson Tide, and I thought his film was awesome. Like, his 
traits in 2021 that he showed, the speed down the football field, being able to mirror, stay with routes uh, at the intermediate level or on vertical routes. He had three interceptions. I was watching him. I was like, is this a first or a second round corner? They get him on day three. Uh, and he kind of fits the mold of what Baltimore wants to do. They're going to blitz a lot and play a lot of uh, press man coverage on the outside. He's a little bit of an enigma because he did not play multiple seasons as a full-time starter. Most of the Alabama corners come in with multiple seasons uh, producing and just getting a lot of experience. So he doesn't have that. That's probably why he fell. But in terms of pure talent and then what he did show in the one season uh, in Nick Saban's defense, I think it's just a perfect transition for him to go from that scheme to the Baltimore Ravens in the fourth round. All right, I dig it, Breach. What do you think about those two picks specifically? What <laughs> just, you know, we talk about their athletic traits and how they fit into the schemes. What do you think? Well, I think that Aaron Rodgers is probably pretty happy that he has Zach Tom as a teammate, and I think that uh, I'm going to trust that the Ravens made a smart pick because they made a bunch of smart picks, which I'll talk about later. Foreshadowing. See Thank you. That Boom. right there, Breach, is elite day three like Filler. draft show content. <laughs> yes, <laughs> where that was good. You're all really you're you're on the set, and whoever the host is throws to you, and you have no effing idea who the traffic is. Get me ready to go. Like, I didn't go at all. Heard times. of this guy? I've never heard of that school. I don't know what position he plays. And and you're like, you know, here's the thing: is like, but he's a receiver, right? You're like, and, and you look at his forty time; it's like four seven. You're like, yeah, he's not a speed guy. This is someone who loves to be a contested catch guy, high point the ball. And of course, when you look at this draft class and that depth chart, it totally makes sense that this, and uh, that's just got to do. You got to kind of. How about the fact that we had Kobe Bryant, Isaiah Thomas, and Chris Paul all drafted on day three? Of the and draft. I thought that was nearly had a, what, what, what were we talking about this last night? Anyway, um, yeah, no, it's, it's cool. crazy. It's That's actually like a thing, though, where we're so old that there are children now named after the NBA stars that we watched. You're like, why would somebody name their kid Kobe Bryant? It's because they loved Kobe Bryant and they have children now. Best yeah. quarterback selection. Josh, do not call them the commanders. And this is whatever, whatever alternate name you want and call them something else. For people wondering, this is day three only. So all the day two guys don't count on this. Yeah, I think I forced uh, Traps to change his answer here. I, I thought we were going to mm -hmm. double dip, but I went with uh, Sam Howell to the Washington Commandos. Um, just a really, you know, he's a smart player. He's a good leader, um, has been incredibly productive in crucial situations dating back to his freshman year, throws the, good, uh, the deep ball with good touch. Um, one thing that we've discussed about as a potential concern is that he encourages too much contact as a runner. I mean, he seeks it out. He has to take fewer hits in the NFL, but a guy that um, I think when you look at his leadership, his ability to lead his team in crunch time, I think that's the kind of traits that you look for as a low-end starter, maybe even just a long-term backup for your organization. I'm not coming on Sam Howell. <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually think Sam Howell is going to be a good quarterback at the pro level. And we'll, I think Sam Howell's production – will greatly exceed his draft spot. This is kind of a good landing spot, but I'm not sure that, like, is he definitely ahead of Taylor Heineke on the depth chart? Like, I like the pick by Washington, and I, I really like Sam Howell. Like, I think he's got a good deep ball. 
Um, somebody <laughs> was well, here's my question is how do you feel if you're the commanders you get the training camp and Carson Wentz is the third best quarterback on your <laughs> roster? You don't feel great about it. That's what EK said, I think. Yeah, because that I seems like a, a legit worry. They will force Carson Wentz in there, even though Sam Howell outplays him and, and Taylor Heineke outplays him. Because then nobody will ever know that the other two are better than him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like Ron Rivera's got a handsaw, like just going <laughs> at the hamstrings of Heineke and Howell. Just to, he's like, all right, we're gonna sign. Uh, uh, he's like, uh, is Kyle Allen still around? We need we need somebody who Carson Wentz can definitely beat out. <laughs> um, anywho, traps. Who's your uh, your guy still on the screen too? Right. Yes, Bailey Zappi. Uh, I, I agree with everything Josh said, but I just didn't want to double dip. Uh, Bailey Zappi, and it's easy for me to say this without Ryan Wilson on the podcast because he loved Mac Jones last year. He was early on the Mac Jones train as a first rounder. I did not see it with Mac Jones whatsoever. I thought Mac Jones had a very overrated rookie season, and it kind of showed late in his rookie year that he was not very good in his first season. So I like the Bailey Zappi pick because I think he's kind of an opposite of Mac Jones type quarterback and that he's going to throw it downfield. Even if he does make a mistake or he's not accurate, the next throw, uh, he's going to rip it through a tight window. Now the offense at Western Kentucky was very wide open. He threw what 60 touchdowns, whatever it was um, because they were in five wide and they just threw it like four verticals on every play. Uh, but I think he's got good pocket presence. The arm strength, in my opinion, isn't much worse and it could be even better than Mac Jones. So for the Patriots to pick him there was a little surprising. Maybe that makes Mac Jones a loser that we can talk about later. But I like I was pretty happy watching Bailey Zappi's film, feeling like he would have been a fourth or a fifth round pick. Didn't think he would go to the Patriots, but I think he lands in a situation where, of course, the Patriots want Mac Jones to be the starter after their record with him as the quarter uh, as their starter last year. But I think Bailey Zappi is actually in a nice situation, especially now that he wasn't undrafted or a seventh rounder to be an early day three pick. I think they have a fair amount of confidence in him uh, ultimately becoming at least a quality backup on that roster. Uh, uh, by the way, I got to take an L here. I'm an idiot. I mentioned Michael Carter and um, you did not say Brees Hall. I didn't say Brees Hall. I'm an idiot. And Debo's in there like making fun of me, like like kind of passive aggressively in the, in the U. I was like, what is he talking about? Why is he like giving Mike Kenny props? I'm surprised more people didn't catch that and dunk on me for it. That's on me. Forgot they drafted Brees Hall. We did so the first two nights of the of the of the draft, we were doing these like on-demand videos, and I feel like I missed several key picks. Where did Bree, what was Brees Hall's number? What did he go? He was 36, 37? Yeah. 36. Like he had just yeah. been drafted when Brees Hall. Did we do some kind of video right before Brees Hall got drafted? No. Crazy. Nope. That Debo says nope. 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 You're right. He Debo's right. We didn't. We and did, just, however, on the uh, the show with Emory Hunt, I did say that Brees Hall was a dream scenario for the Jets. So maybe that's what you were thinking about. Mm. And just to be clear, Brinson, I actually didn't see Mike's comment there about Brees Hall. I was referring to the comment that said, gets to learn under Super Bowl winner Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the fact that we saw like uh, J.P. Finley, friend of the friend of the pod, great dude in general. Um, is like and and like people around the who cover Washington, the commandos were tweeting out. I don't think Carson Wentz will be too bothered by them taking the quarterback with the first pick in the fifth <laughs> round. It's like if Carson yeah, okay. Wentz gets like bothered by this, like okay, seek help, bro. Like what do you, what do you like they draft a quarterback with the first pick in the fifth round? And you're like, 
I know this is my third team in three years, but this is unacceptable. He where where did Ellinger go last year? Fourth or fifth? He's so soft. Mm. Put a Sam Howell oh. statue out in front of FedEx Field. Carson Wentz is gone in th- <laughs> three months. Uh, but yeah, Mike, shout out to Mike Kenny. Nailed it in the chat. Send him a pint glass, Devo. Wentz is texting his agent right now and trying to get traded out of Washington. They, tra- they drafted someone in the fifth round to be on the depth chart with me. All right, best wide receiver selection, day three. Josh, what you got? I went with Michael Woods to the Cleveland Browns because the Browns needed wide receivers. Yes, yes, it is a homer pick. Um, But uh, Oklahoma did not target the boundary that often, which is where Michael Woods was playing. I mean, he's an Arkansas transfer, a guy that's probably going to be used more in the slot moving forward, but a willing blocker, so a guy that you can trust having on the field when you're in run situations where in that wide zone blocking scheme, you're going to be asking your wide receivers to block in space. And he was willing to do so uh, when he was in Norman. So I think it's a good fit. I like his upside. Uh, when you're talking about the run on the position that we had in the first two days, you know, you, you're, you're taking a flyer on players and on day three, I mean, you're hoping that they can tap into some of the traits that they have shown in the past. And I think that's what Cleveland was doing here, getting a guy that maybe was not used to his full capabilities at Oklahoma. Traps. All right, I'm going to stick with the Homer theme and go with Khalil Shakir of the Buffalo Bills, uh, and I'm going to go super nerdy. Will called me uh, Warren Sharp in the Slack room earlier. I'm going to go super nerdy. I thought you did, which is totally fine. Um, But I'm going to go Warren Sharp. Those are Slack chats. Well, we do it sometimes. Warren Sharp said this weird tweet. He's like, what a bad omen for Mac Jones. The only time in history that a Fourth, so it was some bizarre stat about like why David Carr didn't work out in Houston because they drafted a quarterback and the is, it, the correlation causation had it just didn't make any damn sense, and Got that's what it. I was. So I'm, I'm going to go with my Warren Sharp esque stat that last year the Bills. Did you think that was a compliment? Because it was not. No, I thought it was a, a, a bit. <laughs> so I'm going to just I'm going to write it out that the I Bills like- had the second lowest average yards after the catch per reception. In the NFL, only the Dolphins were lower. So the Bills like, were great on offense, but they did not really create after the catch. You watch Khalil Shakir's film, that's where he excels. He's kind of built like a running back, not a crazy athlete, uh, pretty good tracking the football in the back shoulder game down the field, but he's going to be good on slants, on bubble screens, on short routes from Josh Allen that he can turn a five-yard pass into a 15 or 20-yard gain. So I think on day three to trade up to get him in the fifth round is exactly what the Bills needed just to kind of add another layer to their offense. Oh, I know what it was. You called, um, by the way, Breach, if you want to say something, go ahead. I mean, we've tried to blitzkrieg through these day three stuff as fast as possible. Oh, I'll just, um, you know, I actually have receivers, so I'll throw in real quick. Uh, Calvin Austin, who went to the Steelers. I, I'm picking mm, a rival good team. One. I was, I, you know, after the Steelers took George Pickens in the second round, I thought they were done taking receivers. I thought this was a surprise, but I feel like it's a good pick uh, because Calvin Austin, was it fourth round where he got taken – Yep. Yeah, fourth round, 138th pick. And this guy is athletic. I mean, he's somebody who could have gone maybe a little bit earlier. I think one of the knocks on him, uh, which I can relate to, is his height. He's a short guy. He's only, I think, five foot eight. Um, but I think he is someone who is one of those guys. You put the ball in his hands. Uh, I think he had the third or fourth fastest 40 time at the combine. Uh, he's somebody who could be doing big things for the Steelers next year. 
I got nothing on these. I looked at these wide receivers. I got nothing. I'm going to give a shout out to Montreal, Washington, because he went to Sanford. Good Sanford. Yeah. Sanford, as we know. Had a really good game against Florida. There you go. Oh, that's right. Good call. Um, yeah, there was no there was no Warren Sharp Slater, by the way, just to be clear. Like <laughs> traps in the in Slack said, uh oh, Mac Jones is a loser. They drafted Bailey Zappi. <laughs> like the Patriots draft a quarterback every year. Mac Jones is fine. I do like okay. Brinson's is already backtracking. I, just don't, I don't want somebody clipping this. Be like Brinson H. Warren Sharp. Warren's <laughs> been on the pot a billion times. Like, yeah, he's great. Best running back selection, day three for you, Josh. I went with Missouri's Tyler Beatty going to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, it's obviously a running back friendly system. Uh, he was an undervalued player, in my opinion. He's a little bit undersized but he plays bigger than that. And he's fantastic in the pass catching game. So um, I think he gives them a little bit more of a dynamic ability as a pass catcher and they need depth. I mean, we saw how they ran through it this past year. So to bring in another guy that I think plays bigger than his size and can contribute in the pass game, I think is a big win for a team that really leans on the run game. Traps who you got. Oh, um, I, would, it's, I mean, oh. I, I would, before you say it, I'm, I'm just going to, so I look like I know what I'm talking about at least to a small degree. Isaiah Spiller with, you know, you look at what the Chargers have had in the running game the last few years. Like Austin Eckler's just <laughs> what are you laughing at, Breach? Austin Eckler. You, you cut off tracks. And then I, know, I was like, I was looking at the draft was, I was like, wait, I, I, love, I love this Isaiah Spiller pick. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I knew the traps had Isaiah Spiller written down, but I've been, I was looking at the draft tracker and it's like, you know, like I like Justin Jackson, but if Austin Eckler gets hurt, it feels like the Chargers offense really bogs down. And now maybe traps, they have some good depth of the position with a young guy like uh, Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. love Isaiah Spiller. Breach, <laughs> what do you got? You know who really impressed me? Isaiah Spiller. Oh, ho, ho, up high, down hard. That may be the funniest thing you've ever. Josh, that was beautiful. Good work. <laughs> who's, Josh, who anyway, uh, who's your best, uh, most unsur- most surprising undrafted player? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Who are your running backs? Yeah, I mean, we I think we already covered Spiller, the whole team besides <laughs> me. Um, so I'll go with Treston Ebner of the Chicago Bears out of Baylor. Uh, Abram Smith was kind of the the workhorse there for the Baylor Bears. I didn't see it with him. He, I'm pretty sure he didn't get picked. Yeah, he didn't get picked. Ebner is a really dynamic return guy. Uh, he's got a thick lower half. The change of direction ability and contact balance, I thought, were certainly draftable. And the Bears, they have David Montgomery, who's kind of a side-to-side running back, not really fast. I liked Khalil Herbert last year out of Virginia Tech, who played well when David Montgomery was injured. But to get someone in Tristan Ebner, who really has some juice down the football field, we know that whole Baylor program was kind of like a, a, a track team out there on the football field. I believe he ran somewhere in the mid four fours at the combine that can be your punt returner as well. If he's not, you know, the running back too early on. So I thought that was good value for a bears team trying to build around Justin Fields in the future. I was surprised his teammate Abram Smith didn't get drafted either. I thought they were um, similar players thought he would have been taken somewhere. Is it, um, is Snoop Connor insane to throw out there? No, it's not. He's good. First of all, He's insane, incredible name. That is awesome. Yeah. And like, we don't. The weird thing we go to the Jags, right? Jags. Yeah. yeah. So the they loved James Robinson before. Then they didn't like the new one because of Urban. Yeah. So it's it's hard, and they have ETN coming back, and 
obviously like ETM is going to be that, you know, like Percy Harvin role or whatever Urban's going to do with him, make him a slot receiver, but he tears his ACL. And and so like that, that depth chart is very, is very weird, but I think Snoop Connor's a nice value there, even if he doesn't see a ton of time. Um, all right. Best. We have best, uh, most surprising undrafted player. I'm going to name someone that you guys won't name because I've seen who you're going to name. I think Justin Ross going undrafted is pretty crazy. Like, I know his medicals are a disaster, but, like, he was really good at Clemson. So, that's my guy. Who you got, Josh? I went with Arizona State offensive guard Donovan West. Uh, just a really athletic player that can play in space. I think he's a fantastic fit for a wide zone blocking scheme. And half of the league employs that scheme at this point in time. Uh, it's difficult to find quality offensive linemen. So I'm a little surprised that somebody didn't take a chance on him there. Um, does a good job of sealing backside blocks, all that kind of stuff. So uh, he's he's one of the more intriguing players, I think, as we hit undrafted free agency. I already named my guy Traps. I don't know who the hell Josh is talking about. Go ahead. Uh, I'll go with Mario Goodrich. And as we were signing on, Debo let me know that he – or kind of told all of us that Goodrich signed with the Eagles to like an unprecedentedly large uh, under, undrafted free agent contract. Mario Goodrich from Clemson played opposite Andrew Booth, who obviously went early in the second round. He doesn't have great speed, and he's a little bit skinny. Like he would get out physical by bigger receivers at times. But if you're looking for short area quickness, and I think that's really important at the cornerback spot today with how good these route runners are at the NFL level, that's where Mario Goodrich excelled. And he wasn't like a four-year starter with tons of productivity, but in the final season in 2021, I thought he was certainly worth being selected. And again, like I've been telling Debo to kind of expose our slack room again. Like this draft keeps coming up Debo over and over again to get a player that I thought was like a fourth or a fifth round caliber corner and just get him on the free agent ranks, I think was a, a pretty surprising development. He's a player that underneath and at the intermediate level can be a good cornerback in that Eagles kind of zone heavy scheme. And I'll throw in uh, Carson Strong, the Nevada quarterback. I thought for sure we would see him get drafted and then maybe you get to the first two rounds and there's no quarterbacks and you're thinking, oh my God, every quarterback's falling down. And it just felt like teams didn't think the quarterback class was that good but even then you know, like the Steelers drafted a quarterback in the seventh round I thought Carson Strong would have been a that would have been a good spot there even though they also had Kenny Pickett just keep bringing in the rookie quarterbacks uh if you're going to take a second one I thought he would have made more sense or even uh uh who the 49ers with their last pick whatever you have Trey Lance you have uh Jimmy Garoppolo but they if you're going to take a flyer on a quarterback I would have taken Carson Strong over Brock Purdy did he sign with anybody yet? Debo? Also a Philadelphia Eagle. <laughs> now Carson Strong, the best Carson to ever play for the Eagles, yes or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, do you guys did um do you guys know about fidget spinners? But like these kids oh, yeah. have these fidget spinners. Yeah. I I use golf balls and pins as my fidget spinners. Like, golf balls are like, mine. Or the AirPod. Thing. Tossing a golf ball around down here. I'm scared I'll open the AirPod and like activate some Bluetooth thing. <laughs> um the uh <laughs> I was going to point out something and I completely forgot about it. Anyway, I hit the like button. Oh, oh, I know what it was. Myself and Redacted, because I don't want to hurt his reputation as a draft uh, savant when it comes to betting on the draft, had a bet from like maybe September, Carson Strong to be the number one overall. Oh. <laughs> Didn't even get drafted. Whoa. <laughs> Did not cash, suffice to say. 
Um, anywho, let's take a break and when we come back. We will give you winners and losers for the full 2022 NFL draft next. Okay. So the draft is done mercifully. Let's dive in. We Reach, we'll start with you. Ooh. Reach going to do two winners and one loser. And I want to preface this by saying that I think it is really, really difficult to find losers in this draft. Agreed. It's always difficult in the first place to find losers in a draft because you're like, oh, man, I kind of like that player and I like that player. And, yes, they reach for this. But in this particular draft, I went through every team. You know, I mean, not like this is rocket science, but when the draft ends, I go through every team. I look at their draft class. And you sort of try to soak it in from a global perspective and say, all right, did they do a good job drafting? Obviously, you put more weight on the early picks. And every single team that didn't have good early picks usually had no early picks. And they didn't have those early picks because they traded for someone like Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams. Like, I'm not labeling the Raiders as losers because they didn't pick early. They got Devontae Adams. I was like at the Dolphins draft class. I was like, this is what a, what a bunch of losers. And I was like, all oh, right, they have Tyreek Hill. You know, and, and so I, the trades to me have to factor into it. Do we all agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And I think conversely to not always just think that the teams that make like 15 picks are winners because they have more. I mean, that's what you want to do as a team. But I think we gravitate toward the teams that have three first rounders. They did an amazing job or the teams. And actually, I think Breach is going to talk about one of these teams that I think had a good draft, too. But usually the teams that have like 11 or 12 picks, everyone kind of wants to say, oh, they did a great job. Look, they got that guy, this guy and that guy when that's not always the case. Am right, I giving reach. both of my winners just like a snake draft? No, 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 give one. We'll do a we'll do a, a two rounder, and then we'll each give a loser. All right. Uh, well, then I'll just start. I was going to start with a position, but nope. I'm going to start with my first number one winner, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. I just feel like every time someone went up to announce a Ravens pick, it was a home run. It was uh, starting with Kyle Hamilton, their first pick. And maybe not so much uh, their last pick, but, you know, by then you're getting to the bottom of the sixth round. But everything before that, I mean, we were talking about uh, besides Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Linderbaum fell in their lap in the first round. So just if they would have just ended the draft with those two picks, I think they're winners. And then you add David Ajabo, uh, probably picked about fell again into the rave everything fell baltimore's way it's almost impossible to believe that this happened i mean he felt like a guy who was a top 40 prospect by most people falls to 45 to the ravens travis jones was someone who most people pegged going in the second round falls to the third round of the ravens and when you're talking about baltimore you're always talking about their defense and to be able to add hamilton and travis jones is unbelievable um I could even talk about punters. I mean, my goodness. If there is one person I am never going to second guess when it comes to special teams, kickers, or punters, it is John Harbaugh. He's a former special teams coordinator. Nobody knows more. No head coach in NFL knows more about special teams than him. So the fact that he took Jordan Stout over Matt Ariza is completely fine with me, and I'll talk about that later. Uh, even in the fourth round with Jalen Armour Davis, I mean, it was just, my God, how did they get him? He should have been way off the board before 119th overall. And that's what it felt like with the Ravens whole draft was how did they get that person? How was that person still available at that number? Uh, and just, it was a masterclass in drafting. Congratu congratulations, Ravens. You get an A plus for me. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I, I'm not sure I've ever like called the Ravens a loser in any draft I've ever covered. They do so, an awesome job in the middle. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're just they're just a great job at it. Uh, Traps, give us a winner from the draft. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns, Josh's team. I I think, I mean, you obviously have to factor in that they have Deshaun Watson, but like you were mentioning, Will, that for teams that don't have a bunch of those early picks to just not really fault them for that, especially if they have a a really good player. I like Martin Emerson, the corner from Mississippi State. I like his length. This was a uh, corner class that did not have a lot of tall, long, lanky corners. He's one of them. I think he's good in man and zone. Alex Wright, uh, someone that looks like Miles Garrett and that he's around the same size. If he learns pass rushing moves from Garrett, I think he can be a steal in the third round. I like David Bell. I, I'm a little concerned about his long speed, but I think we're moving into this NFL where the Debo Samuels and the A.J. Browns and the D.J. Moores of the world, these six-foot, 200-plus wide receivers are winning so well after the catch because they're thick. They have running back-like ability contact balance through the roof. That's where David Bell wins. And he's really good in contested catch situations. And that was always like wide receiver needs to be addressed. Um, I liked Perry and Winfrey that inside position um, along their defensive line needed to be addressed. And it was with kind of a, a, a penetrator that can play up and down the line. Um, Cade York breach can speak more to him than I can. I, I didn't dive super deep into the specialist. And then I agree with what Josh said about Michael Woods to double dip on the wide receiver spot. He's kind of a possession receiver. I like that. I liked Isaiah Thomas. Um, he's NFL ready edge rusher. Doesn't have as much upside as Alex Wright, but I think he can be really good as a rookie. And then I even like Dawson Deaton, the seventh round center from Texas Tech. He's tall and you usually don't like centers to be tall, but he plays with good knee bend. I think his athleticism is really good. He can recover if he's beaten. Uh, just to add to that already really rock-solid offensive line, I think just up and down, addressing needs with players that I thought should have gone a lot earlier, similar to like what the Ravens did. They let the draft come to them. Uh, so two really strong drafts, in my opinion, in the AFC North. AFC North crushing it. The Browns, I mean, if you're the Browns, you come out of the draft as winners with getting good players after you took Deshaun Watson. Yeah, You know, putting aside the off-field stuff. I mean, you got to feel pretty good about where you are uh, relative to competing or getting back to competing. I will say, actually, I won't say because I think Josh is going to touch on this later, but the rounds do have a lingering issue out there. Uh, Josh, you have to let it have a winner. I went with the Seattle Seahawks. I've been a little critical of them through this process. 
Um, just not knowing if they were trying to be competitive for the coming season or if they were entering a rebuild process. But I think we kind of saw their strategy play out over the course of these three days. Uh, we talked a lot about the offensive line and how much help they needed. So they go out, they add Charles Cross from Mississippi State at number nine overall, who was my second rated offensive tackle. Um, second round, you get Boye Mafe, who I valued very highly. Um, people talk about him as kind of a um, you know a, a pass rush specialist, but I think he's more well-rounded than that. I don't think he's as big of a liability in coverage or in run defense as maybe what many people have suggested. Uh, Kenneth Walker III obviously may have not been the biggest need for that franchise, but a guy that was my top-rated running back. Uh, just a physical player, good ankle flexion, uh, can bounce it out to the outside and really get yards after contact. Um, Abraham Lucas, again, a right tackle that is very athletic. Um, you know, you, you, you plug and play him on that offensive line. You just need to add bodies to that unit. Kobe Bryant, traditional Seahawks cornerback, great length, physical. Um, you know, he's going to attack the ball at the catch point, all that kind of stuff. Same thing with Tariq Woolen. Thought that was fantastic value to get them where – uh, they did at that point in the draft. Um, Tyreek Smith is a guy that traps loves, um, yep. you know, as an edge rusher, Bo Melton, I think is fantastic after the catch, his ability to work in space, uh, the wide receiver from Rutgers. And then you finish out with, uh, Derek young, who is a wide receiver by nature, but probably big enough that he can be a tight end at the next level, split him out into the Y and, and use him downfield. So, uh, just a really well-rounded draft class, I think. And you can kind of see their process, as it unfolded over the course of those three days. So I'm going to go against the grain, against podcast narrative, um, and say. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you look at the Philadelphia Eagles draft and don't think that the Eagles are big-time winners after this draft. Because, you like, again – I go to our CBS Draft Tracker page. Like, I'm on the same page that you're seeing on your screen right now if you're watching on YouTube. And I'm like, man, they landed Jordan Davis. They also pulled Cam Jurgens, who has traps notes in his grades, could be like a, a mentee to, to Jason Kelsey. They get they stop N'Kobe Dean slide in the third round, and maybe he won't play for a year. That's fine. It, it doesn't always, always work out. Sidney Jones didn't work out. But N'Kobe Dean was the heart and soul of that Georgia defense. And if he comes back and he's N'Kobe Dean, he's going to be an impact player. And it's worth a flyer at 83. I don't know a ton about Kyron Johnson. And Grant Cal Calcaterra looks, sounds like he blogs for NBC Sports about baseball. But <laughs> uh, we talk about this draft class as a whole. And we didn't even mention they have A.J. Brown. Like they got A.J. effing Brown. They got A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis. I love those first, those the way that they handled the first two. And, and now I will say this. I don't know if we talked about this. And Debo, I don't know if you heard this or if you guys heard this. But apparently the Eagles had a deal done to go up and get Jamison Williams and got sniped by the Lions. So then they reversed course and they said, all right, what we're going to do is snipe the Ravens and grab Jordan Davis. If you come out of the first round with Jordan Davis and A.J. Brown, who very clearly did – like the Titans did not want to trade him because Mike Vrabel was doing an angry toddler stomp in the draft room while wearing a suit as a giant former linebacker turned head coach meat stick. And, and I love Rays, but like – you know, he and I don't blame him. I would have been, been in the corner pouting and wouldn't have come back on camera. 
if 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 you traded AJ Brown on the clock in round one because we lowballed him at six sixteen million dollars a slap in the face. Eagles locked him in. Do we know if Princeton? Um, I mean, I was just going to ask. Love everything you just said, and and agree. It seemed like the Eagles had interest, but do you still think they intended to go after AJ Brown? Just when a deal like that happens and they sign him to this hundred million dollar deal within five minutes of the the trade happening, I feel like that was was building up throughout the day, right? Or do you you think like they could have gone in and like, hey, we'll trade up for Jamison and also trade for AJ Brown? That's a great question. So it, it makes it a little less likely in my mind that they maybe were going for Jamison. I agree. That's probably true, but let's consider who who's their quarterback. I'm doing Carson, Carson Strong. I'm doing the thing where I ask, yeah, Carson Strong. <laughs> I do the thing where I ask obvious answer, ask obvious questions. And I thought you were doing like breach trivia time. Yeah, yeah. So Jalen Hurts played where? Oklahoma and Alabama. Alabama. Their number one wide receiver is Devontae Smith. Williams. <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm saying is that I think that they were probably, and I know that like I think they were thinking about the possibility. I know that like Jalen Hurts and uh, did Jalen and Jalen Hurts play together? Probably. No. Probably uh, were James. there for a year. Jameson Williams didn't even play with Mac Jones. Oh, that's right, because he came no. from Ohio State. You're right. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, anyway, they're putting a bunch of Alabama guys in the same room and hoping it worked out. It didn't. They still draft A.J. Brown. Um, my, my point being is that, like, I, I don't know the answer to that. I would think that the – so the, the J-Mo was drafted, and then they traded up for Jordan Davis, and then they made the A.J. Brown trade, right? So I would think yeah. the A.J. Brown trade yeah. was probably a result of – the um, JMO move up not working out, but there had been discussions about AJ Brown over the right. last, as uh, it I think was Robinson said, 18 right. hours. Josh pointed out, like it Josh wasn't Nick. quite like like flying Hollywood Brown to Arizona for the draft party. It wasn't as <laughs> extravagant as as that, but it seems like I mean, it's easy to do. But like Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown were on Facetime two seconds after the the trade was made, and he became an eagle. Like I feel like there was some indications. Well, I mean, what we what we need to figure out is what what is the time difference, um, between, uh, people, yeah, like you think people in the chat are like like I don't remember Thursday. No, I don't remember Thursday. I don't I don't remember what the time <laughs> difference is between. Jamison Williams being drafted by the Lions and AJ Brown being traded to the Eagles. Like, Probably a half hour, but ultimately doesn't matter. Like, so I, so I would say the framework was in place, but I I would guess it because I don't think that they could have gotten both Jamison and AJ Brown because of the draft capital it would have involved. Although they could have certainly given up a pick next year. I don't think they wanted to do that, but they could have given up a pick next year to get AJ Brown. AJ Brown, Jamison Williams, and Devontae Smith feels like. Death Star overkill a little bit. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I'd r- I'd rather come away from this draft with Jordan Davis and AJ Brown than Jamison Williams and AJ Brown. For sure. I- I'm saying that I think that the there's probably parameters in place for an AJ Brown deal. And the Howie and the Eagles were like, okay, we are down for this deal. But we do have some guys that we're interested in in the first round. We don't want to pull the trigger on the deal because A.J. Brown's going to be expensive until we see how the sort of the top of our wide receiver board plays out. And then once the Lions jumped up and grabbed J.M.O., at that point, 
Howie is like, all right, give us a second. We're going to jump up and grab Jordan Davis. And then we'll work on a deal where you guys send us AJ Brown and we send you our second first round pick. That, that seems to me like the likely timeline for that. Does that seem fair? Fair. They're you winners. guys are stunned with how clairvoyant that was. Um, I'm done with my first winner. So I'll go back to you, Breach, to do your little special teams bit. What is that supposed to mean? You know what, Brunson? I've been doing for this. I'm pumped. purposely insulting. Relax. Jeez. The past 10 <laughs> minutes, I have been trying to find out what the exact time was of, uh, so that we could put your little timeline theory and you could get it all figured out. Because I do know that the A.J. Brown trade was originally reported by Adam Schefter at 9.56 p.m. Probably shouldn't have been so dismissive of you when you've got the receipts on my face. So. <laughs> Eastern <laughs> time. Ah, 9.56? 9.56. Ooh, that's... Uh... And then the it... Lions trade came down at 9.24. So it sounds like it's exactly the same timeline that I suggested. It sounds like you might be right. Hmm. Anyway, talk about your precious little special teams. So my winner were not just special teams, the punters specifically. Uh, this was a huge draft for punters. You do not see four punters drafted very often. As a matter of fact, it is this is only the second time it has happened over the past 20 years, the other time it happened was uh, 2018, so recent, but still only the second time it's happened since 2000. And it really was interesting because of how early they got selected. I mean, we saw two punters go off the board in the fourth round, which almost never happens. This is only the third time since 1990 that we have seen two punters go off the board by the fourth round. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier Jordan Stout being the first one. That is, uh, he was one of the top three punters. Um, I thought that he would get drafted, so it wasn't a surprise necessarily that he got drafted before Ariza. Especially not surprising because it was John Harbaugh. Nobody knows special teams more than John Harbaugh, which I mentioned earlier. And you know what? The key punting metric that most people look at. You know, you'll talk about Matt Ariza's hang time and out kicking their coverage, but what when? push comes to shove what you want to know is a punter's net punting average uh because if you can boom at 80 yards and your guys can't get there and you're giving up 10 yard returns then your net punting average is going to go down uh if you can finesse punter and maybe you can only punt at 50 yards but you can kick it out of bounds at exactly 50 yards every time uh then nfl teams are going to want you and so jordan stout actually had a better net punting average than matt ariza at last year uh, just barely, uh, Jordan Stout was fourth in the country and Ariza was sixth in the country. So they were very, very close. Um, and then I, I would say Jake Camarda, Camarda going to Tampa Bay was probably the surprise at 133rd overall. It's like the Buccaneers don't know what they're doing with special teams. Uh, we saw them make the Roberto Aguayo trade back in 2016. I would have taken Ariza or Trenton Gill, either one of those guys over Camarda. Uh, but Tampa took him in the fourth round, and he'll probably unseat Bradley Pinion. Uh, but the fact that four punters went was crazy. And then we saw Trapasso's boys, the Buffalo Bills, stop the bleeding. Everybody wondering why Punt God wasn't getting drafted. And then with the first pick of the sixth round, 
Ariza comes off the board. Uh, Josh Edwards kind of mocking traps, though, by saying that this is just uh, Corey Buarquez Jr. with the uh, <laughs> hold on. The monster leg, but can't hold now. Again, that's going to be interesting once he gets there. But, but this is a great landing spot for Ariza because look, and, and Brinson, you pointed this out, and it was a great point: is that uh, the Bills don't punt a lot. They had the fifth fewest punts in the NFL last year, and the Bills don't need a finesse punter. They just need someone because if it, the Bills don't want to punt, you know, I mean, no team wants to punt, but the Bills are going to go for it on fourth down and fourth and short. And so, if the Bills are punting, it's going to be because they're at their own 30 yard line at their own 20 yard line. And when you're punting in that situation, you can just say, Hey Matt, Hey punt God, uh, just punt a touchback, just kick it 70 yards in the air and nobody has to cover anything. Uh, and so I won't be surprised if the bills let him boom it out often. And then Brenton's Brinson's boy, Trenton Gill from NC state. Um, you know, he's going to get a lot of work in Chicago. And, uh, I thought that was a smart pick by the bears. And that's, there, there were a bunch of good punters in this draft. And that is why we had a historical punting draft. This will be remembered as the year of the punters, the draft of the punters. The punters are winners. Uh, Debo, if you could kindly just clip very quickly the uh, portion of the program where Breach said that I made multiple good points about <laughs> special teamers. <laughs> I'm too busy. My, my, my foe dismissal. Uh, okay. Bad. I got you. All right. You don't really have to do it. I'm- no, I was just clipping the stuff about you saying, I bet the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. They're my favorite team, blah, blah, blah. Go Tar Heels. <laughs> what a goon. What a goon. Hey, look, the congratulations. I tell you what, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sneak a third winner in here. The Carolina, North Carolina Tar Heels football program. You can't do that. To well, expose I our slack further, you, you yelled want. at traps. For uh, I can do whatever three. I want. It's a bit. Let me do it. <laughs> sneak, it's a bonus winner here. The North Carolina Tar Heels football program. They absolutely dominated the fifth round tonight. They had three guys taken in the first 30 picks of the fifth round. Anytime you could hype up like a bunch of recruits and win six games and then get, send three fifth rounders to the NFL draft, you pat yourself on the back and say, we are Mac is back, baby. Mac is back. All right. Uh, Traps, who's your next? Oh, wait, one? wait, real quick. Uh, uh, um, whoever said the Browns had the winning draft. Was that Trapasso? Yeah. Called the Browns winners? Yeah, and, and mentioned yes. Cade York, and a commenter just mentioned yep. Cade York. Yep. Uh, I, I will say I love that pick. Cade York was the number one kicker, I thought, in this draft, and I didn't even think it was close. I know the the Cameron Dicker from Texas, people have talked about him. Nick Skiba from Wake Forest was the most accurate kicker in NCAA history uh, when he ended his career this past year, and that's likable. But these guys – distance inaccuracy aren't really easy to find in college kickers. The Wake Forest kicker, yeah, he's accurate, but he never made a kick over 50 yards. So you don't know if he has any range, and Wake Forest didn't ask him to do much, and so that scares off uh, NFL teams. But Cade York had both, and he was awesome at both. Uh, last two years combined, he was 11 of 14 from beyond 50, which like uh, is really good. a miracle for Browns fans if you, yeah. you got stuck watching Chase McLaughlin last year, who I think went two of six, maybe two and nine over his last six games. I mean, it was ugly. And so the Browns had to draft a kicker. And then you look at some of the times these strong-legged guys don't have the accuracy to go with it. Cade York, 90% from inside 50 yards last year, hit nine of 10. And you know what? College, you get the wide hashes, so it's a little bit more difficult to try the closer kicks. And uh, he nailed them. So I thought the Browns hit a home run with that pick. 
The worst part about that for me is I had to listen to Breach talk about how awesome Cade York is, only to know that Corey Bjorquez is the punter right now, and he's going to be holding those kicks. Um, <laughs> that was the most difficult part about hearing that. But what, what is happening? What, what, what are you doing? What, what are we doing here? McLaughlin's not going to make a single. Oh, you want to? You want to? What? Oh, you just bringing up total numbers? Get the uh, out of here! I'm going <laughs> to swear at you, Devo. We want to go quality. Yes, quantity. Who cares about quantity? All right, I'll start with Lawrence Taylor. Okay, I mean, Lawrence Taylor's like finished his NFL career before you were born, but sure, yeah, throw out Lawrence Taylor. That makes total sense. Wait, what schools are we comparing? NC State and what? We're not we're not doing an NC State Carolina NFL draft comparison. <laughs> we're 57 <laughs> minutes. Let's get along here. Traps, who's your next winner? Philip Rivers. All right, I mine is the- I do respect Debo's abil- <laughs> quick ability to, to get Mario to Williams. I'm, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Tennessee Titans, and it's not to say that I didn't like what the Eagles did. But the flip side of that AJ Brown trade, they draft Traylon Burks with that selection that they got from the Eagles, and then they traded back again when the Jets moved up to get Jermaine Johnson in the back part of, of the first round. With those picks, after Traylon Burks, they got Roger McCreary from Auburn, who Josh and I liked a lot. Ryan Wilson liked a lot. F- felt like a borderline first rounder. They got him in that trade with the Jets. They got uh, Nicholas Petit-Friere, an offensive tackle from Ohio State. I'm not a huge fan of his, but they did need a right tackle, and that's where he's probably going to play. They also got Kyle Phillips, who's like a a Cole Beasley-type slot receiver, very good underneath getting open with his quickness. And then they were able to use their fifth rounder and a third rounder to trade up to get Malik Willis. So he was my number one quarterback. It was obvious that I was going to gravitate toward the Titans. And yes, I would have just paid AJ Brown and been done with it if I was Tennessee. But the fact that they got Traylon Burks, Roger McCreary, Nicholas Petit Freer, Kyle Phillips, and then packaged up some extra picks to get Malik Willis. I thought that made them huge winners on the flip side of those two round one draft trades. Everyone said, Oh my God, look at the Jets. They got Jermaine Johnson. And he was the number eight player on their board, but he went 26th. And certainly again, AJ Brown to the Eagles is huge. I like the flip side of it, actually, as the draft progressed for the Tennessee Titans. And you obviously have to factor in they didn't pay a wide receiver $25 million per year. Again, I would have done it, but I was really interested to see what the Titans did with some of those selections that they got in those two trades in round one. And I think they almost hit a home run. I mean, as good as you can do after you trade back, especially when you throw in Malik Willis, who is my number one quarterback. Josh, you're... uh... I I have some conflicting thoughts on the Titans coming up in the next section, but I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with the idea that, like, and it's weird because you can, you know, you can like more the players, drafted, and, they got good and players. you can also yeah. find situations where someone didn't win. Um, I, I think, generally speaking, that the Titans did a good job. I'm not sure the Titans are definitely better for next year, but that's a we'll, we'll talk about that more down okay. the road. Um, Josh, your next winner. So my second winner is the New York Jets. Uh, And I think it's the second year that I've called them a winner because I just like what Joe Douglas has done in the uh, captain's chair of that organization. Uh, You start with Ahmad Sauce Gardner, who was my top overall prospect. I love his length. I love his competitive toughness, um, his ball skills dating back to his freshman year, all that kind of stuff. That's a premier position. So you've got that locked down for hopefully another decade uh, before you have to worry about it again. You've got Garrett Wilson, who was my top-rated wide receiver, a guy that has tremendous body control down the field, um, knows what to do with the football in space once he gets it. 
Uh, Jermaine Johnson, you know, I, uh, where he was taken was probably more in line with how I viewed him, but it's a premier position, you know, so you're getting a guy that you had a stronger conviction for, and he's going to be playing opposite Carl Lawson. Um, you know, I'll take that every day. I mean, to have two edge rushers of that quality is a luxury that most teams do not have. Brees Hall, again, you know, a, a perfect fit for what they want to do. He's a perfect complement to Michael Carter in the backfield. Uh, take a little bit of pressure off of Zach Wilson. Just gives them another dynamic, another physical element to the offense. Jeremy Ruckert, very well-balanced tight end. Wasn't really used as a pass catcher in Columbus, but I think he's got a little bit more there than what he's been able to show. He is a fantastic blocker, however, and when you look at the Jets and the wide zone blocking scheme that they employ, that's a perfect fit. A guy that can block in space. Um, to maximize the potential of Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Uh, Max Mitchell, a very athletic um, offensive lineman out of Louisiana, uh, played right tackle. He can play wherever you need him. He's a swing tackle all day when you've got George Fant and Mekhi Becton already there. Uh, I, I just think that's good depth. You get, a, you get a guy with some upside that could grow into a larger role. Uh, and then to finish out with Michael Clemens, who – uh, you know, really showed a lot more during his final season with the Aggies and uh, just gives you a little bit more depth at that edge rusher position. It was very easy to see uh, their philosophy and what they were trying to do through this draft class. I love it. Oh, and then my bonus is the <laughs> Haywards, the Haywards parents, because now they do not have to travel uh, for multiple games on Sundays. Yeah, that is kind of cool. By the way, I um, so does anybody know what Cameron Hayward's number is? Ninety three, ninety seven. Oh yeah, yeah. Nine plus seven is what? Sixteen. What does anybody know what number draft his younger brother was? Like what draft pick he was? Hmm. Six two oh eight in the seventh round. What's two times eight? Oh my god! Are you really doing <laughs> oh. that? I thought nice. like, that's 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 late. Day okay, time. how about sixth round, two hundred and eighth pick? What's six plus two plus eight? Mm. Oh my god, my this is some Illuminati stuff right here. Uh, <laughs> guess how tall Connor Hayward? Debo's got his like finger hovering over the in podcast button. <laughs> I wish I could mute Brentson Breach <laughs> and, and, and Traps and Josh. <laughs> <laughs> He just spends the rest of the podcast. Like Josh talking about is the like Eagles. outside. I like his addition here. You know, oh, you didn't like my addition. You were trying to shut me up, but you love Josh's addition. <laughs> That's uh, way, I, I'm going to go with the Falcons as my second winner. Um, I, I kind of like, like nobody really likes the Falcons in, in the sense from a national perspective. I kind of like the Falcons, but like nobody, nobody's pumped up about the Falcons, right? I mean, generally speaking. However, I, mean, I think if you look at this draft class. This is a pretty good draft by the Falcons. And it feels like Terry Fontenot is doing a good job acquiring like good players. You know what I mean? Like it, it sort of it takes a while to figure out what a GM and a new coaching staff are doing. Like Drake London, Kyle Pitts, slash and then Marcus Mariota slash Desmond Ritter. I don't know. I don't hate it. I, I don't think it's going to be like a top 10 offense or anything. I don't think it's going to be a top 15 offense in the league next year. But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and they might get Calvin Ridley back next year too. I mean, it, it felt like this offense was nada, nothing. Like they're like, we joked on the podcast frequently that you can't name any of the Falcons wide receivers. 
And I know, you know, Drake London doesn't solve everything. But whether Ritter, if Ritter beats out Mariota, that means Ritter is playing well leading up to the season. And if he doesn't, you know, you hope that Mariota in that Arthur Smith offense, which he should know, is playing well too. So, like, I don't picture the Falcons necessarily as a playoff team or anything like that, but I do believe that they got a lot better. They made a ton of picks. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know a ton about these late guys. Like Al, Algier, the running back out of uh, BYU. I mean, Traps, you gave him a C plus. You hate their late round picks, but but my goodness, the earth, it feels like the first five picks We're for good, the Falcons yeah. are going to be impact players, and that they have at least given a little youthful energy to what was maybe one of the worst rosters in football. Like I feel way better about the Falcons making some noise in 2022 than I do about the Panthers making some noise. And they drafted my guy Icky in the first round. Is, I mean, right. Doesn't That's that fair. seem fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree with that. Let's get to the losers. The and again, losers. we don't really think you're a loser. No one thinks you're a loser, but we got to do it. We're required to have bosses. I can't do winners and losers. Um, and, and it's tough because a lot of teams didn't have a first round pick. And Breach is going to do something that's worked out very well for many people over the years. He's going to name Bill Belichick and the Patriots a loser. Go ahead, Breach. Tell us why. <laughs> Maybe we should call this winners and not winners. I, I uh, seriously. You know what, though? I, I think I called them a uh, loser maybe last draft. I don't know. Mac Jones. I don't remember. Uh, but yes, if anytime you put the Patriots on a loser list, you immediately assume that you're going to regret it down the road. And then you second guess yourself and wonder why you did it. And my problem with the Patriots draft is I just feel like they got too cute. Like, look, we know that sometimes you find these diamonds in the rough at these small schools. I get it. But what you can't do is draft every single guy from a small school. It's just not going to work there. A lot of these guys, there's a reason they're at a smaller school. And I get that. Uh, you know, it, it sometimes works out, but when more than half your picks, you know, starting off with Cole Strange, Tennessee Chattanooga, look, you know, Cole Strange probably lasts till the second round, maybe till the third round. Feels like a huge reach. Then you you go to, uh, they got someone from South Dakota State. They got a quarterback from, uh, Trapasso talked about earlier, Belly Zappi from Western Kentucky, someone from Northwest Missouri State. I think that was the guy that stumped the truck on uh, I did not know him. NFL Network, Sam Roberts, literally no one knew who he was. So unless Sam Roberts ends up being a 10-year starter, it just ends up being a throwaway pick. And so it just seems crazy that they're spending uh, all this time grabbing these just small school players. Um, it just feels like they could have done a little better. And every almost every single one of their picks just felt like a reach of a guy that would have been there around later or that they're every single one of their picks got picked 10 or 15 picks too early. Um, How about so, the fact that they doubled up on running back too. What was up with that? Yeah. Apparently uh, Belichick's plan is to run the single wing this year. I don't know. They, you know, they, they go with pick 127, pick 183. And like you just said, traps two running backs right there with a quarterback sandwiched in between. So, I mean, what are you doing there? I, I don't know. It's just none of it really made sense to me. But again, Belichick is a football genius. I am not compared to him. So maybe he'll make it all work. Uh, but for now, this is just a questionable, questionable. There, there's a 0.0% chance you call them losers if Tom Brady's on the roster. 
Well, I mean, because you draft- know you're going to get torched. <laughs> it's like, oh, the Patriots are good again. I'm not yes, worried about Mac Jones. Yes, it was old takes exposed. <laughs> um, by the way, just randomly, I don't know if I mentioned. I'm sure I've mentioned this because I've mentioned everything. But um, there's a guy in our uh, my like Robbie's flag football league. There's a coach for another team, and he played at Navy. And he's like, he played football at Navy. He's constantly wearing like Navy, you know, he wears Navy shirts when he coaches. And he has a full printed out playbook and runs like the full triple option. Yikes. It's kind of, kind of, it's kind of fun to watch. I mean, unfortunately for him, he got smoked by on this guy. <laughs> Who what just you run this jet well? sweep off it? No big deal. Oh, anyway, man. moving on. Uh, Traps, <laughs> give us a loser. Uh, I went with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think I said it at some point over the last couple of days. I don't remember. All these videos are kind of gelling together. Uh, that they went with the Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma thing. Josh didn't dislike it as much as I did, but especially uh, after signing a big ticket item at linebacker, it just seemed uh, redundant uh, to not only have to trade extra picks to get Devin Lloyd, but then go Chad Muma, who's a middle linebacker. They're both middle linebackers. You already have one. You mentioned Snoop Connor earlier, Brinson. I do like him. As a power back, he's really dynamic. He didn't get a lot of carries at Ole Miss behind Jerry and Ely, who didn't get drafted. Um, I like that selection. I didn't like Gregory Jr. too much in round six from Washita Baptist, Aushita Baptist. Um, I know he was at the Senior Bowl. The athleticism was good, but I think he's going to have a steep learning curve once he gets into the NFL dealing with um, professional wide receivers. He didn't really face any of those in college. Um, and Luke Fortner, I liked him. I didn't think, you know, in round three, that seemed a little early. And then I just was, you know, anti Trevon Walker at number one overall. So you're right. It was hard for me to find a team that I like disliked almost all of their selections. Uh, but the Jaguars probably came the closest for me. I was a little confused what this rebuilding team was doing, uh, in the 2022 draft. Next up, you'll never find me getting mad at the Jacksonville Jaguars 2022 NFL draft because, you know, Trayvon Walker is it, is it, oh, yeah. and all of the units, all of the units. There's going to be people like I'm telling you that that draft pick is going to live in infamy on gambling Twitter. That draft a long, pick bought long Brinson a yacht. No, like so you guys want to get on the Brinson Sucks yacht because that's the name of the yacht. Uh, all if I ever buy a yacht, I will name it Brinson Sucks. How about that? <laughs> I pro- that is my promise to you. What a great promise. Um, Josh, a loser. Yeah, so mine is kind of a cascading loser because it impacts multiple parties. Um, I actually took, are like four deep or five deep on here. To be oh, easily, easily. So I took the Carolina Panthers. Um, you Ooh, know, we just we, we discussed up. it, discussed it heavily on the first two days of the draft, but actually loved what they did by taking Ike Kwanu. I think that was um, a savvy move there, just constructing the offensive line in the event that you know you're able to plug and play a quarterback next year should you take him. Um, also thought they might be in the market for Baker Mayfield, but I'll get to that. Uh, Matt Corral to take him in the third round, trade up, give up a future third round pick. If neither Matt Corral nor Sam Darnold are the future of your organization, you just traded away a valuable draft asset to possibly use in the search of a quarterback next year. Um, and then Brandon Smith, the linebacker from Penn state, a uh, very athletic player. He's just late to react to the ball. He's, you know, with that kind of athleticism, you expect him to be first on the scene, and he just wasn't. 
for Penn State. So that's uh, another reason why I didn't care for that one. Amari Barno tested off the charts. I mean, he ran like a 4-3-8, 40-yard dash, something ridiculous like that at his size. But the production, the tape just didn't match. Um, kind of a project moving to the second level. And then, honestly, I have no issue with Cade Mays or Kalon Barnes, their final two choices. Uh, but, again, Kalon Barnes, a guy that's played it, played for Matt Rule at Baylor and has tremendous speed. I mean, you're talking about a track squad at this point with – uh, Barno and Kalon Barnes. But uh, the cascading part of this is because of their move to pick up Matt Corral, that took them out of the Baker Mayfield market, which means that there's one less suitor for Baker Mayfield. Cleveland may not be able to find somebody to take him at this point, uh, which means they could eat his entire salary. They could ask him to stay away from the building and try to wait until somebody signs him in free agency next year pick up a comp pick, you know, maybe you keep him through training camp to see if somebody gets injured and then trade him away like uh, Philadelphia did a couple of years ago with, um, name escapes me, former uh, Sam Bradford, uh, to, yeah. get a, to get a good value in return like w- what Philadelphia was able to do. Maybe that's an option, but I thought it would have been a better path this year to give up less capital this year, um, take on a guy like Baker Mayfield, you have your offensive tackle that you took in the first round. Just if it doesn't work out, you clean the slate next year with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield off the books, no skin off your back, and you still got valuable draft capital to make a move and get a quarterback. All right, I'm going to sneak a, uh, a fourth a fourth winner in here. It's Josh Edwards. What a performance on this particular podcast. <laughs> One, I don't I remember what you said that made me laugh. Sorry. Was, you jumped in on the whatever it was and, and made me cackle. And two, this pick of the Panthers slash Baker Mayfield slash the Browns slash everyone but the Seahawks slash Jimmy Garoppolo just an elite level loser pick because I was trying to find a way to make the Panthers losers but I already gotten so much hate mail about my rant about Matt Corral who I like that I wasn't willing to go down that rabbit hole and plus I don't want to kill him because they drafted my guy Aki Aquanu, and I think that was the right move I just didn't like giving up the capital they gave up for Matt Corral but you managed to avoid naming the Browns losers for being unable to move Baker Mayfield, putting it on the Panthers. So you, 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 you pushed the team away. You buried the host team. And you correctly pointed out that, like, what? I mean, like, what? The Seahawks were, the Seahawks, Pete Carroll's driving over the cliff like Thelma and Louise. Like, you think I'll draft, you think I won't draft a quarterback? Like, you you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. He's just flying over the draft. He's like, we'll go Drew Locke and Juno Smith. I don't care. Browns, cut him. If you want us to get him, you cut him. We don't pay him anything. Um, the, the deal fell through with the Panthers and, and Baker and Tepper panicked, whatever. The Browns. Like, I think the Browns are in a pretty good spot. I know Traps had them as a winner. They got Deshaun Watson. I think they're in a good spot. But this Baker Mayfield thing is a problem, man. One thing I'll say on this, I I hope just because this saga with Baker Mayfield and Watson and how that unfolded, I think it would be very on brand for this whole situation. If they can't trade him, Watson gets suspended, and then Baker Mayfield is the week one starter. And then he six and oh or something. And like then that. he starts six and oh, and they're like, uh, what do we do now? And that would just be, I mean, believe me, being 
someone that's well, raising I mean, or he starts to get it know, and asking price goes from uh oh we have yeah, to pay you nine yeah, million dollars yeah. and give you a fifth round pick to we'll take two first round picks thank you yeah if you go if you yeah, start it looks awesome then all of a sudden they can deal before the trade deadline they're in great shape and they're they're, that's they're what like I what see baker's happen. better than watson i mean no, i mean <laughs> you're, you're not wrong traps like the idea that the browns will start the season with baker mayfield as qb1 because watson is suspended is not a far-fetched idea really the only landing spot there's two landing spots i think um seattle that's seattle and they're playing chicken tampa bay is the one that's been like bandied about a lot if you see anything at plus money with tampa bay to take baker i think that's probably worth a flyer just because you know tossing behind tom brady and you know put kyle trask in there and maybe maybe it works out all right Brinson, you want to share that? Uh, you want to share that YouTube stat that I shared with you last night about the well, Matt Corral video? Oh god, it's the, the most disliked video in the history of the Pick Six podcast. Like the percentage of dislikes yeah, relative so, to likes, the yep. highest it's ever been. Our average like approval rating for a video is like ninety five percent. Good, thank you guys for liking that one. Nineteen <laughs> percent. <laughs> I went back and watched it today. It was me, and you're talking about the one where me and Traps were talking about the pick, yep. right? Yep. I mean, I was kind of, I wasn't like unhinged, but I was pretty pissed off. Like I splashed an F on the thumbnail because you called it an F. Traps did not call it an F, but you called it an F, so I felt comfortable, you know, getting the people to click on it because you called it an F, and <laughs> fans were not happy. Fine, I'll throw an extra loser on here. Panthers fans, do you know how draft picks work? Do you know how draft capital works? You we think go. they're like, oh, like I got dudes, I got like random jabronis quote tweeting me like, LOL. I love when the NFL media shows their ass and doesn't understand how the draft actually works. I'm like, do you think that's how it works? Do you like, do you not remember three or four years ago when they drafted Will Greer with the third round pick as a total waste of draft capital? Like we listed all these dudes who were drafted in the third round that are really good football players. And it's almost never a quarterback. I like Matt Corral. I like him as a player. I'm fully prepared for the blowback if he ends up being a Hall of Famer or even a pro bowler. Like even if it was an MVP, I'm fine with it. But the idea that the Panthers would be in moan for two months about not having a second or third round pick and then trade back into the third round for next year's third rounder and draft a quarterback when you could have sat there and taken Sam Howell at no extra cost. Like there's no one on planet Earth that can definitively say Matt Corral will be a better NFL quarterback than Sam Howell. There's just not. It's a friggin' coin flip. You're talking about late in the draft, and I'm doing it again. Why am I ranting about this stupid thing? <laughs> We're going to lose all our way through this video. This one's going to double That's the dislike nuts. over the last one. <laughs> like, if, if you're like, not yeah, a Panthers, this is a future third. Like, what does that matter? It's like, that was a 70th overall pick this year. I just, if you're not a Panthers fan, go read the comments. You will enjoy yourself. They're pretty, they're pretty funny. <laughs> He's like, this guy doesn't know crap about football. Come down to Charlotte. I'll punch you in the punchable. Learn the game, Brinson. Learn Learn the game. game. All right. My loser is a person I like. Uh It's John Breach. Uh (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's it's Ryan Tannehill. And I think Ryan Tannehill's career with Tennessee has been outstanding. You know, he it took a while to like he had some good stats, but it took a while for him to take off in Miami. He only, you know, he was a converted wide receiver out of AM. But it is impossible not to think that Ryan Tannehill lost big time in this draft. In the first round, they traded away A.J. Brown. And all due respect to Traylon Burks, but we know what A.J. Brown is. And Traylon Burks is a rookie wide receiver. There is no one on planet Earth who will bet you even money 
that Traylon Burks will be more productive in 2022 than AJ Brown. If you find that person, bet as much as you human, like, can, humanly possible. Offer them your children. Offer them everything you have in your life. And take AJ Brown and just deal with the injury risk. <laughs> they also drafted in the third round Malik Willis in 86 overall. And they are very clearly refusing to give Ryan Tannehill a new contract because he's he's being pissy and letting it be known that he's not coming to training camp or coming to offseason workouts because he knows he's not getting another big contract from anywhere else. And he is an older veteran quarterback. And they have drafted his replacement and traded away his best weapon and cut Julio Jones. Their number one receiver is Robert Woods. Their number two receiver is Traylon Burks, who was drafted in the first round. And to top it off, it's like, wait, Hollywood Brown for an 18? Or was it Hollywood Brown for a 23? It was an 18 for A.J. Brown? Gosh, golly. So Ryan Tannehill... I don't think he's a loser in real life. He's definitely a winner. Made a ton of money. Isn't he? Very. Seems like a very personable life. Led his team to a number one seed. Led his team to a number one seed last year. Gets to hang out with Derrick Henry and Taylor Lewan. Seems like a fun life. Fun life. He's a loser on this particular weekend because of what the Titans did. Wow. I hope okay. this work doesn't get back to Tannehill. Uh, I'm sure I'll get dragged somehow for it. He'll throw eggs at my house. I can't wait. I mean, Matt Corral's Hall of Fame. Like, I'm going to get, like, highlighted my career was Trayvon Walker going one. And now next up is getting, like, Matt Corral mentions me in his Hall of Fame speech. (laughs) A la Mike Lombardi. Okay. Anything else? Oh, my God. Did we do it? We did did it. it. We made it. Under an hour and a half. Full draft recap. You expect 90 minutes. That's yeah, our goal. 90 minutes. Okay. You know, wait, hell, we're doing a, an hour. Why do you think Debo is like one winner a piece, please? <laughs> and then we came up with and two. Traps is like, we got to have three. <laughs> I almost had three. I'm just kidding. I almost had beer. Um, great stuff. You guys smashed it this week and you smashed it throughout the draft season. Like, I, I don't know if people know behind the scenes, like how hard you work. If you're watching the draft tracker, Traps and Josh are grinding their faces off occasionally to be surprised by someone they've never heard of being drafted and getting getting uno reversed you guys have done and you guys have been on this podcast way too much really like legitimately really appreciate all the work you've done you guys crush it thanks for an incredible draft season for breach for traps for josh i'm brinson we will see you guys later Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.